we keep doing this. And I keep being very clear. It's Gareth. I don't know what, uh, what's the fucking problem? Hi, I'm Dave. My name's, uh, my name's pretty standard, so no one messes with it. It's not some crazy Welsh country weirdo. I am named after an alternate night of the round table. There was a second table where a bunch of dimmer knights kicked it, made the beds while the big boy knights were out fighting. Sir Gareth, known for fluffing the pillows. You're listening to the dollop. This is a... It's okay. Bi-weekly American history podcast each week. I, Dave Anthony. Hi. Hi, how are you? Read a story to my friend. Oh, read a story from American history to my friend. Gareth Reynolds, who has no idea what the topic is going to be about. And this week, we have a phenomenal guest. Please give it up. For Bert Kreischer. He's somewhere. He's coming. The machine, Bert Kreischer. The machine. Is on his way. Uh, Don't you worry. There he is. Give it up for Bert. I was getting a soda. He saw me fucking panic. I saw. I saw everything. It was amazing. I was like, no, scrap it. No, I need it. I need the caffeine. Scrap it. Give me it. Oh. There we go. Hit that. Hit that shit. Dude, I can't wait. There we go. Hit that Holy shit. shit. I just got an email. That's big. Is it from Hollywood? I was going to say the same thing. <laughs> <laughs> this is going to work great. Are we famous yet? <laughs> a video of Tim Anderson. Remember boxer Tim Anderson? Yeah. A video of Tim Anderson's second fight against Mark Gastineau, the one in which he was poisoned, has been kept secret for 25 years, but I have it. It's on YouTube now. That's an email to you? Yeah. We, we're, there, there's, a, there's some of us that are trying to help uh, get him out of prison. Uh, yeah, and the, for those of you who aren't doing your part, step it up. Because Dave like, and I are working with Timmy. We send him, we send him, we're like, we, we got him a subscription to the New York Times, and yep. like, we're doing shit for him. We're helping, Mark, we're helping Mark out Gaston Tim. Mark looks rough these days. Yeah, things are not oh, good. Oh, it's yeah. weird. You think, yeah. you think that would have come together? Yeah, it's a, it's a sh- <laughs> shocking. <laughs> Gaston knows French for disaster. <laughs> It'll pick up. I'm going to say this. Okay. Uh, 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 we've been having a lot of problems with terms of how to, how to describe indigenous peoples. Uh, well, I think we that's got, a good start. I got yelled at for calling, calling them Inuits, uh, uh, thinking Eskimo is offensive, and then, it, then he, he hears Eskimo is not offensive, and then we look it up online, and it's like, no, Eskimo is fucking offensive. The other day we were doing a podcast and I said Native Americans and some guy sent me like 20 fucking DMs. Native Americans fucking bullshit, man. Just call me a fucking Indian, man. I'm just like, oh, I just want to wake up. They, his, name was, like, his name was direct messages frequently. By the way, I'm not going to add to this sensitivity training. No, I know. I was in a fraternity for seven years. Oh. You're here so we can blame anything that goes wrong on, on you. 
so uh, and in in Canada, they they are called Aboriginal people. They don't like to be called First Nation in America. So it's all and this guy's from Canada. So the whole thing's fucked up. He comes to America. It's gonna be a shit show. <laughs> Aboriginal. <laughs> So, so there is context. And not the real original, an right, Aboriginal. Right, yeah, right. <laughs> Aboriginal Harold Smith was born on the six, na- six nations of the Grand River First Nation. Right there. That's easy lost. to find. I don't. <laughs> oh, no, this is the first of the six. You're way off base. This isn't two. No, no, this is the two and the seven. You want to go past the five and the three, past the one and the six, then you'll find the six and the one. What are you, a dumbass? Uh, it's near Hagersville, Ontario, Canada. Smith was a full-blooded Mohawk. Ooh. <laughs> uh, say that at a casino these days. <laughs> Record scratched? His father, George Smith, had been one of the most decorated native soldiers in the Canadian regiment in World War I. When the reason he did that is because that's the only way you could get citizenship if you were a native uh, Canadian, which is super cool. Uh, if you didn't some, fight for him, they're like, you're not, a, you're not a person. Right, yeah. So Boy, you I, really cared. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Fuck you guys. Yeah, I am like ready to get out of here. Yeah. <laughs> So Harry Smith, as a young man, uh, started playing lacrosse, and uh, he was so good that he eventually became a member of the National Lacrosse Team of Canada, and they traveled all over, and eventually he played in Los Angeles. Oh. With the team. For the Not LA, on a professional LA team. Crossers. The, oh, no, he the just... Canadian, you mean the Canadians he, came through to what? show off their fucking skills. Wait, what? What did they They're do? They're traveling they lacrosse team. Like... They swung through Los Angeles. People were like, this is great. Look and at them pass. Uh, yeah, well... <laughs> It's a terrible sport to watch. (laughs) L.A. Cross. Now, (laughs) now, why'd you guys get rid of the seats over here? What? Oh. (laughs) How come there's no seats over here anymore? They weren't requested. (laughs) Well, is it too late to put in an order? They weren't requested. Just kidding. <laughs> I didn't know we had to request specific chairs. Well, next time. And we want the love seat. The whole family room set up up front again. So now, at the time in Hollywood, racism was used to justify having white people play Native Americans in mm. films. Uh, an awkward era. Oh, as opposed to the, the movie of Matt Damon playing a, an Asian person. Or, uh, Is that what he's playing? Emma Stone. Yeah. Emma Stone played, like, uh, yeah. It's all right. I'm person. talking about the past. Yeah. Right, yeah. <laughs> well, as we learn on this podcast, we've always learned from our mistakes. <laughs> so... From the 1915 book Making the Movies by Ernest Dench, the Red Indians, who have been fortunate enough to secure permanent engagements <laughs> with uh, several Western film companies, are paid salary that keeps them well provided with tobacco and their worshipped fire water. No, oh, no, no, my no, no, God. No. He's I want to work for that no, fucking guy. No. <laughs> How much fun would he be as a boss? Have you seen the dailies? Are you kidding me? I don't know where that bit goes. Yeah. Uh, I, He's got point. a cigar for sure. Oh, yeah. <laughs> wow. So, so the editor was like, well, my only note is that comma should be a semicolon. Other than that, we're good to go. 
This book is as hot as that engine's fire water. Oh, he's not done yet. Oh, oh, good. It might be thought that this would civilize them completely, but it has had quite the reverse effect. For the work affords them an opportunity to live their savage days again, and they are not slow to take advantage of it. They put their heart and soul in the work, especially in battles with the whites, and it is necessary <laughs> to have it is necessary to have armed guards watch over their movements for what? at least a sign of treachery on on the sets, just in case. You don't know. That's on the set? Well, yeah. So you're the medic and you watch the Native Americans because they are shifty. Oh, they'll leave with more feathers than they come in with. Keep your eyes peeled. They are five feather discounts, we call it. <laughs> Even today, a few white players specialize in Indian parts. They take leading parts for which Indians are seldom adaptable. To act as an Indian is the easiest thing possible, for the redskin is practically motionless. <laughs> so. <laughs> this is so fucking good! <laughs> so. So, to sum up, they didn't have a great opinion in Hollywood what? of Native Americans. Uh, oh, I want to hear what they say about blacks. <laughs> <laughs> no, you don't. Uh, no. Fuck. No, sir. No, you don't. No, no. Oh, please tell me they got this. <laughs> no. <laughs> but doesn't sound so bad now, does it, ladies? Huh? <laughs> No. So, uh, so while he's in Los Angeles playing lacrosse, Harry uh, Smith was noticed by comedian Joe Brown. And Brown saw something in Harry and encouraged him to give acting a try. <laughs> Wait, from lacrosse? Yeah, he's like, look at that! <laughs> the way you but passed as- it. And when you looked like you weren't, that believability is what the screen needs nowadays. <laughs> yeah, My but- God, I thought you were going right. You went left. <laughs> You're a goddamn chameleon. Yeah, All we need to do is get a guard to watch you. We don't drink too much fire water and tobacco. Oh, you're going to be so good as a Native American, they're going to need a guard near you. Trust me. But his, their idea of acting was like, get on that horse and go get shot by a guy. Like that. So right. when he sees him playing the cross, he sees a guy running around. And he's like, that's acting for Native Americans. Yeah. <laughs> and by the way, acting is not too far from that now. No. So, uh, so Harry at that point is uh, Canada's highest paid lacrosse player, so he could afford to take some time off because he clearly stashed some cash from that sweet Canadian lacrosse money. I have uh, a lot of questions, but we can move on. So, so Joe Brown helps Harry find his first job in Hollywood as a stuntman in a 1937 musical called Make-A-Wish. So I, I don't know what... Usually there's not a lot of stunts in musicals, but apparently at that time... Well, it was about a lacrosse player on Suicide Watch. He was perfect. After a couple of years, Harry had worked on a handful of uncredited stunt jobs. He then got an acting gig as an anonymous Indian in the movie The Seahawk, starring Errol Flynn. So he's just like a guy in the... Yeah. Like that. Right. Next, he played... Indian okay, in so. too many girls. That's what he would, he would, it so. would just be his name. Harry Smith plays, in, that's all he would be. Harry Smith <laughs> oh, plays Indian. In all his movies, Harry Smith plays Indian. All what he's his doing. movies. Well, for a long time. Well, we're about to go on a run then. Run. Right. Uh, so he, he, he plays Indian in too many girls starring Desi Arnaz. Arnaz's understudy was a guy named Van Johnson on that, uh, on that movie. 
In Van's uh, biography, the author wrote, quote, during the show's preparation, Van was surrounded by homosexuals. <laughs> Shut up. What? I just, it was, wait, a, wait, it, was a, wait. it was a musical. I don't know. <laughs> well. I don't know what the guy's saying. Yeah. You don't have to Dan- read between the lines with these people. They yeah. pretty much say what they mean. Yeah. They're really blunt. They're super yeah. blunt back then. <laughs> that was autocorrect. I wrote dancers. <laughs> Surrounded by a bunch wait, of homosexuals. Yeah. Oh, wait. So now, so wait, somebody, so he stands there as an expressionless, as, as the expressionless Indian, as the part is called, and yeah. someone else is like, you were unbelievable. Amazing. We need you back. Do nothing again, will you? So he continues to act, uh, playing Aboriginal natives in movies about uh, French-Canadian fur traders. There were many parts for anonymous Aboriginals throughout the film, but most of the native actors who did this had very short careers in Hollywood because they either couldn't find decent work or just couldn't deal with the blatant racism. You, you mean actual na- Native Americans? Actual people who right, are... who tried to do it. So when he does this, they are putting makeup on him. No, he doesn't have to have makeup on him. So though. he's yeah. a he wears white... A, no, he wears a suit. No, he of course a... he's dressed as a fucking... You think they dressed him halfway as a Native American? No, but I mean... He's got he's a feather got... on. Yeah. He's going... Wah, 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 wah. Yes, yeah. that's exactly right. But yeah. there's no, there's no makeup on him. No, they so don't he's put, a they white don't put... guy with... He's not white. He's a, oh, he's he a... is. Okay, sorry. Right, sorry. I forgot that part. You forgot. Yeah, well... <laughs> right. When we started out... That was changing out. a lot of stuff for me. Okay, so we'll get to the... So... Fair. That's fair. Keep up, was hard, it was hard to, to catch that point when I talked about it for 10 minutes at the start. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> so on films, white extras, there's also white extras, uh, would arrive first because they had to get their red makeup put on. Oh, Bole Armenia is a red type of clay. I thought it was an eating disorder. <laughs> <laughs> My... You would mix the clay with water and then apply it to actors' faces. Before it was used as a makeup, it had been prescribed by doctors as a cure for diarrhea. <laughs> Talk about being discreet with your diarrhea. Your face is covered in clay. Hey, Bert, <laughs> do you have diarrhea? No, How, engine. <laughs> <laughs> Wait. Who was the guy? Well, I'll tell you, the diarrhea's gone. Can't leave the house, but the diarrhea is gone. A Native American named Iron Eyes Cody landed his first job in Hollywood as a supervisor in the makeup department. He would oversee to make sure that the red clay on the faces made the actors look authentic. Oh, my God. No, he looks like one of us for sure. I can Because he's got just red well, face on. Yeah. yeah, that's okay with us. Yeah, that'll do. That'll play. Uh, Iron Eyes said he was part Cherokee, part Cree. He had been raised in Oklahoma. Uh, Paramount Pictures had used his family's Oklahoma farm for a shooting location in 1919. And his dad had long been in show business as he had toured with Buffalo Bill's Wild West show. Sure. Uh, Within a year of the film being shot on the farm, the Cody's had moved to Hollywood, and Iron Eyes' father worked as a technical advisor on many early westerns, and in 1925, Iron Eyes began working in makeup on sets. He could recite the Great Spirit Prayer, do rope tricks, new sign language, and could speak five of the uh, speak parts of the five Indian languages. Uh, 
not the Indian languages. Because of that, he soon started getting work as anonymous natives himself and slowly got steady work on camera. So he's, okay. he's an actor too. Is now. that an sure. upgrade though? He was just putting clay on face and now he's like, fuck, now I got to be one of the ones I've been making up. Well, now he's just got to stand there and be like, hey. hey. <laughs> <laughs> or Too sometimes much. he can go, oh, 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 get shot. Yeah. Guy knows five different fucking Native American yeah. languages and they're just like, don't say anything. No, no, no. You know, all we need is two good hows and then yeah. you're all set. We got to keep it under three, otherwise you get a bump. <laughs> so. He so, ad-libbed another how. He's ad-libbing hows. Could you how it down a little bit? How, 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 how would I? So, uh, so the way it would work is there'd be a, a, a white guy in the lead with a red covered face and then a bunch of Native Americans behind him who were getting uh, annoyed. But not uh, shitting. To... <laughs> you did not need to worry about toilets on that set. Oh, that's great. <laughs> to make matters worse, some... Native Americans were then employed on Western films to teach whites how to speak and act authentically, quote, like an Indian. Wait. This meant slow talking, low voices, and stilted words. Yeah, yeah. Right? Me, me like horse. That's exactly what they're doing. It's like Frankenstein. Slow it down a little bit, though. No, I'm auditioning right now. By the way, I would have murdered it in the 30s. Me like horse. No, 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 slow it down. You're doing it too fast. Me. Scalped it. <laughs> Me like a horse. Huh? Yeah, yeah. Could you you said like a could you just do me like horse? I'm doing slow. the best I can, man. <laughs> Give me a little fire water, I'll slow it down more. <laughs> By the way, I'm obsessed with the fact that I still call it crisscross applesauce and we're tearing apart their fucking culture. <laughs> I didn't think about that. Hey, kids, call, call it Chris yeah, Cross Applesauce while we destroy their water in honestly, North Dakota. That is so fucking yeah, true, though. It's, yeah. so it's fucking like true. we are focused on, like, that's offensive to say. Now, nobody change anything to help them. Okay, <laughs> on to math. On to math. One plus one equals goddamn money. Fuck them. Let's go, kids. Crisscross apple. No, it's a snake bite. It's not an Indian burn. That's offensive. We will get oil from these motherfuckers. Give me my present back. Come on. No, that's called regifting or something. No, no, not in my class. Not in my class. We will just rape their lands for centuries. Slowly. Taking away their rights, but we will not use terminology offensive to them. The Washington football team. The Washington football team. Do we have to have another powwow about this? Oh, my God. (laughs) By the way, by the way, I was shooting on Crow Nation territory for my show, and my director goes, quick, guys, little powwow. Ah! I was like, maybe not the best choice of words. Uh... I'll be in my teepee. (laughs) Me smoke him, I've got him. So, <laughs> so Harry, Harry was in the same film as Iron Eyes, Cody, in 1942 in the Lucille Ball movie Valley of the Sun. By this time, Harry had become a little suspicious of Iron Eyes' background, questioning his native roots, as had a few other Native Americans 
<laughs> While they could rarely do this in public, they would say it to each other. Other Native Americans would get upset by this talk, however, because they believed Iron Eyes was being truthful. When actor and stuntman Running Deer heard fellow actor Jim White Cloud questioning Iron Eyes' background, he punched him in the face and knocked out two teeth. Wow. Another wow. time, Running Deer threw an actor named Little Buffalo through a glass door at a bar well, for that's talking just about nature. Iron Eyes. That's nature. That's just nature. So clearly there were questions about Iron Eyes, but people were falling on both sides of the... Uh... Aisle. Yes. Uh, some movies, like I said, were shot in Canada. They were known as Canadian Mountie Westerns, which managed to be even more racist than American Westerns. What, what, what is... Finally. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Can we take this up a notch? Let's out-American the Americans. Uh, my one note is they are not offensive enough. Uh, <laughs> we could really milk this. Uh... Uh, we find, but we finally found something Canada's worse at. Yeah, well, they have shaken that. Mountie Westerns had an overwhelming use of, quote, half-breed characters. What is Yes! That? No, 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 no. Fuck, I did not think this could get worse. <laughs> Please say you mean centaurs. <laughs> well, the Mountie fucked the pony, and here we are. Um, it's a Montreal Minotaur. Uh, this is my friend, Jimmy Runs With Hoofs. <laughs> Hello, I even find that offensive. <laughs> <laughs> so Halfbreed, besides being a, a great share song, uh, was uh, a racial slur that referred to the Métis people of Canada who were of mixed Native and European descent. For half a century, they were depicted as villains. Quote, sneaky, untrustworthy degenerates who desired defenseless white women, sold whiskey to the Indians, and let others take rap for their crimes. In the silent Mountie film God's Country, they were described as, quote, strange heritage of degenerate blood. Jesus Christ. Yeah, c Canadians are awful. I mean... <laughs> wow. What, what's, what, 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 are the, what are the two halves of the breeds? Uh, uh, just... just uh, Aboriginal people from Canada and then anybody from Europe who came over and oh, fucked them. Oh, yeah. <laughs> By the way, yeah. I'm getting into character. I can see why we can't trust them, though. Yeah. Because they've got the customs of the white man, but they've got that blood in them. Yeah, it's true. They're not fully corrupted yet. <laughs> More white. <laughs> More white. More delicious white. More devil white. Uh... The term half-breed was actually mostly spread by Hollywood movies more than any other part of society. <laughs> well, you That's know. Cool. You know. That's cool. Yeah. Before Meryl gave her speech, obviously. <laughs> Transcendent. Yeah. What were notes like back then if they just throwing oh half-breeds into scripts? Uh, yeah, we're good on the half-breed stuff. Good on the half-breed stuff. Good on the half-breed stuff. Fine on the half-breed. Firewood. Ah, uh, firewater. Fine. fine. Uh, that dab's got to be a darn. That's going to... Uh, <laughs> Housewives are super turned up by cussing half-breed, 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 half-breed. I don't think we half can say fu fucking half-breed, right? Oh, sorry, I was no. cruising. Absolutely just not. Just half-breed, No, yeah? no, just yeah. change that fucking half-breed to a half-breed. Half-breed, 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 half-breed. Everything's good, but the couple can't kiss at the end. Thanks! <laughs> 
So next, Harry worked on an Abbott and Costello film that was so offensive to Arabs, it was banned in Morocco and Syria. Oh, my. <laughs> just, just knocking them all out of the park, just wherever we can do it. Uh, we will be making those films in 10 years. <laughs> two. Yeah, by the uh, way, 10 means two. In 1945 was the year Harry Smith picked a new Hollywood stage name. First, he called himself Silver Heels Smith. Whoa, whoa. This was his uh, lacrosse nickname the team had given him. Okay. I like uh, it. And then he turned it Also, in- by the way, very weird name, even if you're playing lacrosse. I agree. What were you wearing? Oops. I tap at the half. <laughs> oh. Do a whole thing. <laughs> guys, can we put some wood in the middle of the field? Oh, come on. I play on grass for you guys all the time. Was it old Silver Heels? No, it was just, just Silver Heels Smith. Okay. Silver Heels. And then he, but then he changed it to J Silver Heels. So Silver Heels wasn't the issue. <laughs> that was a lot. There were no, two Silver, Silver Heels, Heels on the team. Yeah. yeah. No, Silver Heels he Johnny nailed. Silver Heels, and then he was just Silver Heels. Hey, which Silver Heels are you talking about, coach? <laughs> Not either of you two. The water boy, Silver Heels. Hydrate the men. I'd call that because it's a handicap, though. <laughs> oh, boy. <laughs> to Hollywood with ye, son. <laughs> um, Jesus. So, so uh, now Jay was becoming no, a known face in films, right? He's still being, the, he's still like Indian in the, in the cast, but people are starting to go, oh, that guy. Like Which they started, is they started to clo- recognize yeah, him. as close as you can get yeah. to being recognized if you're him. Uh, but he's still, he, you know, he's still doing the uncredited parts. Uh, he was in another movie with Iron Eyes, uh, uh, Iron Eyes Cody, called Unconquered. There was now an obvious tension between Iron Eyes and Jay Silverheels. Jay and Iron Eyes continued to work in many films together uh, and separately for years, both in the exact same sort of roles. But in 1949, Jay Silverheels had a big breakthrough and became the first native-born person to play a Native American on television. The popular radio show, The Lone Ranger, was being brought to television. Uh, Finally. Dude. Yeah. (laughs) By the way, it is crazy to think of it as just a radio show. (laughs) He's on the horse. The one time... the one Really moving now. The one time they get a real Native American and you don't even see him? Like you've been looking no, at them the whole time. Oh no! When they go to TV. Oh no! When they're on radio, they didn't have that. But when they go to TV. We... Oh well, let's cover the radio part. You're gonna love this. Oh no! Oh. During the 30s and 40s, Radio Tonto had been voiced by white actor John Todd. But when the 50s came around, John Todd was he was in his early 70s, and the radio executive overseeing the show fired him replacing him with a young Native American voice actor. But the Native American voice actor refused to speak the sub-level English in the script, wanting Tonto to speak in an educated tone. He was then immediately fired. Fire-watered. And they they rehired elderly John Todd. So wait, there's there's no middle Uh. ground? No, there's they only else? can't work with these people. They want to act like they're normal. There's actual Native Americans being on the... Uh, and uh, you're 70. Oh. And that's it. So we'll go with you. Uh, we have no other option. There's literally no other human on Earth. 
Wait, so so it's wanna, just some old guy. Lone Ranger, get on horse. <laughs> what do you say? Yeah. I'm trying, but the stroke has made it hard. Wait, it's also... It's also for TV, so he... Seeming- this is just for radio. No, this is, for radio. Just for this radio. is just the radio By the way, this, oh, still, right. this okay. still goes on in Hollywood. Like, I, like uh, black actors are always like, going for the Sprite commercial, and the guy's like, hey, can you kind of hood it up a oh, little yeah. bit? Oh, yeah. Yeah, oh, this still goes on. I fucking love well, it. Well, and, that, and then, then, then that's what happens, is where you create like this weirdly competitive, it's a competitive market where, like, you know, some people are like, all right, I will ethnic it up for, my, for this audition. Other yeah. people are like, that's too much. And then you're like, what the fuck is happening? Can oh. we not just... Be actual human being. Well, I get told to wide it up all the time. <laughs> Can you put on New Balance, please? <laughs> Can you? <laughs> you the hoodie works for me, but I, I just... A hoodie, New Balance, and almond milk? You're like, Dave Anthony. <laughs> for sure, White. And I have croissants if you guys need to see them. You don't? Oh, I have them. If you need to see them, I have them, so... Uh. I got You got to love the fucking backbone of this guy going, I think the Native American could sound like the way I sound right now. <laughs> but I'm Native American. Yeah, and I I mean, I do talk like this. I'm like, I know. Yeah, but. it's wordy still. <laughs> Have you met yourself? You're not like that. Yeah, I, you, most of you guys don't use verbs. <laughs> we do too use verbs. There you go again. I, uh, use so, isn't a verb. The Lone Ranger premiered on television on September 15th, 1949, and it made Jay Silverheels a household name. He would get more work than ever before, but still all in these stereotypical monosyllabic tones. Right. So he's still talking, like he's now he's famous, yeah, but, if but he's still wrong. talking and giving him the same. By the way, by the way, scripts. this character right. defines my childhood. This Tonto is the reason when I holstered a gun, I'd put it on my back because he only had one gun on his back. And this is the first Native American I ever met was Tonto. I'm sorry? Yeah. I mean, not even meet him, but... <laughs> but like, this oh. is my introduction to their culture. Right. right. Okay. Oh, and it's a Different. great introduction. Yeah. <laughs> but if you had met him, weird time to bring it up. <laughs> Six minutes in. Keep going, but I met him. Keep yeah. going. <laughs> I met this guy. Keep going. <laughs> But wait, also, it's the only time that a director comes over and is like, that was a little flat. We love it. Uh, don't change <laughs> a little thing. flat. That was very flat and mm. perfect. Uh, so even though The Lone Ranger was a huge success, it was still a low-budget production. One day, Jay held a one-man protest, refusing to... <laughs> refusing That's a protest. ...to get into his wardrobe uh, because the stars of the show weren't given their own dressing rooms. Jay and Clayton Moore were forced to change in a men's room at a gas station down the road. Shut up. Oh, can you Shut imagine up. being the person that accidentally walked into that? <laughs> and you're like, whoa, man, these two gay guys are really taking this far. Talk about role playing. Cowboys fucking the Indian? And he doesn't want anyone to know, so he's wearing a mask? Shut up. No, it's not what you... With TV stars. <laughs> fellas, have, your, have your fun, fellas. Have, have, your, fun. have your fun, guys. Have your fun. Is that what you think? Yeah. <laughs> Is that what you think? 
We're working actors. Uh, yeah, all right, sure. That's why you're, yeah, we'll, we'll no, working you actors in yeah. a gas station bathroom. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Sure, sure, yeah. You, there's not a white guy playing a Native American. Sure, yeah, 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 yeah. No, yeah, yeah. Is he, uh, the other guy was too, uh, fuck it. So they were, uh, <clears throat> so they got, it worked. The next day, uh, both leads had uh, brand new dressing rooms. So Jay was getting a little bit of power. Okay. Now, uh, John Hart, who briefly played the Lone Ranger, said Jay was not pleased playing a mentally deficient character. And the, uh, the main Lone Ranger, Lone Ranger for years, Clayton Moore, said Jay would never remember his lines. Quote, this was because he never read the script. That, that is know, awesome. Been... But why would you read the script if That's... your line's like, exactly. down by horse, yeah. like, fucking yeah, fuck exactly. off? Exactly. Yeah, exactly. You're so, like, I'll figure it out. I'm not going to read the racism. I'll just do it. Lord. <laughs> Quote, we would be... Him the... take horse. Um, perfect. Yeah, be- better. Honestly, better. Better. We had him make horse. But that's better. That's far better. Quote, we would be in the middle of a scene, and there would come a pause, and Jay would ad-lib something like, um, that right. Or, me wait here, you go town. Oh, my God. That is that honestly was... like the hardest kind of ad-libbing. Oh, um. But that was the reason that Tano had so many throwaway lines was because Jay was just making them up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> wow. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe El Cut got this first. <laughs> <laughs> but Jay was now a star, and that led to bigger parts in movies. He was now playing Geronimo in 1952's The Battle of Apache Pass. But that same year, he, was, uh, he still also starred in a movie called Half-Breed. I mean, I got the script, and I read it, and I could not turn it down. Uh, I realized the title's a little off, but man, is there an emotional arc for that half-breed. I only half-read it, and uh, <laughs> it's great. The movie had uh, What didn't the movie off, have? Uh, I, I'm going to call this an off-color tagline. Really? What? No. <laughs> half-breed. When white man and half-breed turn all savage. Red-blooded adventure. <laughs> They've got that, my money. I, I think literally every word makes it worse. <laughs> when white man and it savage. gets worse. Every word hurts more. Meanwhile, Iron Eyes Cody uh, had steady work in films. He had a very uh, striking look and was quite recognizable. Like Jay, he moved up and had some starring roles, but was not well known. Uh, as much as Jay was. He also uh, was huge when it came to working with Native American causes. He would write tons of checks to Native American charities and schools. He married a Native American woman named Bertha Palin. She was the first female Native American archaeologist from a rather prestigious uh, Seneca Indian family. The couple adopted two Native American sons. Well, So Iron Eyes Cody's just fucking living yeah, the business. Sounds, yeah. In 1953, Jay was in the but it, last But what's crazy hum. is that that sounds normal. Yeah. That sounds just totally normal. Yeah, it and is. it's highlighted in this because of how abnormal everything is. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> like in, reg- in a regular life, it's like, what a miracle. <laughs> how did he pull it off? Archaeologist and adopted children. That's yeah. so white behavior right there. <laughs> In uh, 1953, Jay was in Last of the Comanches with Native American actor John War Eagle, who was already heavily involved in Native American politics. Perhaps this affected Jay because on the set of his next film, he became very vocal with co-stars, crew, and media about the idea of red face. 
Jay made it clear that it was time for white people to stop putting on red makeup and let Indian actors have an equal opportunity in Hollywood. One Native American who did not agree with this sentiment at all was Iron Eyes Cody. Wow, that is crazy. Iron Eyes was still working in makeup departments to advise. <laughs> Obviously. Well, there we go. There it is. I think it's fine. I don't see any problem with it. Nobody has diarrhea. Everybody's working. Everybody's happy. <laughs> Everybody's fine. Come on, man. I put my kids through school. Whatever. We adopted two fucking kids, man. Come on. A little red-faced laxative. Anti. Whatever. Oh, God, I used the wrong one. <laughs> uh, Jay had been pushing for better roles for native actors for a while, but he did not believe in formal protest. Uh, he didn't think it would be effective. Quote, a boycott by Indians would not mean the loss of money that a Negro boycott could bring. Meaning there's more black guys working in Hollywood than right. uh, Native Americans. Uh, and nothing changed. The next year, uh, Jay was working alongside white men who were covered in red makeup. In 1954, Jay, who was a heavy smoker, finished a fight scene with a stuntman on the Lone Ranger, went back to his dressing room, and had a massive heart attack. Oh, shit. Tonto had to be written around. They brought in... The Lone Ranger's nephew, Daniel, or some shit. <laughs> they, sa they said that Tonto had to go to the, the big city, D.C., to see the great white man. <laughs> wait. wait, wait, I'm confused now. The great white father is what they said. They, were wait, like, they, they, they told like... the people on the show, they're like, Tonto, go to see great white father. And then he was off the show. Uh, but the Lone Ranger's nephew is here, and he speaks perfect English. Hi there. Hello! I'm Verbs up. are my friend! It's like when they brought in Scrappy-Doo. It's, it it's, it's very Scrappy-Doo reminiscent. So Jay returned to acting after a few months recuperating, but The Lone Ranger was canceled in 1956. Oh, so wait, he did not die. He didn't die. Okay, okay. In my head, I thought he was dead. No. There's still a story going on. Okay. <laughs> I was I like, is it. this story yeah. over? I'm, yeah. That's a weird way to end it. <laughs> And he's dead. And All right. And that's it. Uh, there was a feature film made, and it seemed the tide was turning on racism a little bit. In one line, the Lone Ranger confronted a bunch of rabid racist white people, quote, in all the fights between the whites and the Indians, it's the whites who've always started the trouble. So, you know. How was that on TV then? And I know. now you can't even say that shit. Well, now that was on a movie. That was, now they did Well, how is that allowed to be in the public, like, now if you say that? Oh, if you said this now? People are In like, all the fights between... If you, let's do it. Let's do the modern okay. version. In all yeah. the fights between the whites and the blacks, it's the whites who've always started the trouble. Fuck you! Bullshit! Bullshit! <laughs> yeah, you're right. That doesn't work today. It's a good thing we've gone backwards. Also, in 1956, Jay was in Walk the Proud Land, in which the hero scolded his fellow white people for their treatment of Native American neighbors. The hero defends Native Americans against white lynch mobs, arming them with firearms and earning their trust. So, wow. you know, shit's starting to happen, right? Right. Turning it, a little bit from the horrific it, beginning we but started that. makes at. you still so disappointed with now. Oh, no, yeah. It's all, I mean, everything's bad. <laughs> But, <laughs> but the frustration for Nate... This will be the tag of this. <laughs> Podcast, not episode. But the frustration uh, of the parts uh, of Native Americans was still bubbling up. In the 1958 uh, show, What's My Line, there was a guest, uh, Rod Redwing, on one time, and he was a Native actor. And towards the end of a segment, comedian Jonathan Winters asked Redwing, why don't the Indians win more of the pictures? Red Wing then went off script and responded, 
Hollywood doesn't think that Indians are the type, so they always have someone else to play the Indian. Then the host laughed awkwardly and changed the subject. <laughs> to what? <Wow>. <laughs> Anything. <laughs> Dogs are amazing. We'll be right back. What the fuck? <laughs> wow. Jacob working behind the scenes to help the, the, the people. <laughs> that, uh, that is amazing to get to that point, though, when you're oh, like, yeah, my ad libs are <laughs> actual commentary. So uh, he's still helping the cause of his people. He started training Native American actors for Hollywood, who he hoped would get parts and influence a change of opinion within the studios. He also started a letter writing campaign in 1960 to President Eisenhower, Vice President Nixon, the heads of the three major television networks, addressing the portrayal of Natives in film and television. So he's doing his part, yeah. Jay. But things were changing a bit. A second Lone Ranger movie had the two fighting a gang of hooded bandits similar to the Ku Klux Klan who randomly murdered three Native Americans. Wow. Yeah, that so... Is, yeah. I did not see subject that episode. Matter. Yeah. yeah. No. I saw all of them, dude. This show defined my sexuality. I'm sorry. Right. <laughs> yeah, I talked about this with my therapist. What? <laughs> yeah. She's like, We're Bert, your sidebar. penis is the Lone Ranger, Bert. Your penis was the Lone Ranger. No, any anyone being like any like anyone wearing gloves or getting tied up or getting in quicksand was the thing that was like when quicksand. I, yeah, let's change the subject. That explains no, at, but but hey, uh, that honey. explains that quicksand pit near the barbecue yeah. area. Very Google, erotic. Hey, honey, so I, uh, I, I I fix up a little something in the tub for tonight. It's uh. <laughs> But it's just mud. Quicksand. Oh, get the gloves. <laughs> You're turning me on, Dave. <laughs> Want to switch seats, guys? If you guys, if you Google quicksand porn, you'll see what I'm talking about. Oh, no. I'm being dead serious. I'm not even fucking around. Quicksand porn. Quicksand porn, yeah. <laughs> Who knew? I did not. A few people. It feels like... But the idea, okay, sorry, Dave. So, but the, uh, I, the idea there is that you gotta like have sex before they no, go. No, 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 no. no. It's, it is what it sounds like. It's just a girl. Well, that's what it sounds. Walking like. through the woods and then, uh oh. Oh, and then you can fuck her because she's uh, no, stuck. Uh, uh, no, it's Jay, man. Let's, it doesn't get creepy. It just. <laughs> <laughs> just. Are you googling quicksand porn? It's fucking awesome, isn't it? Can we see what do you have? Oh wait, wait. Oh, so it's just. Kind oh, of this one's really good. <laughs> <laughs> so wait, it's just kind of solo struggling, and it's yeah. erotic. And yeah, well, yeah. <laughs> one man's trash. <laughs> oh my god. Okay, well, you learn something new every day. That's uh. I am. Uh, I gotta I say, my favorite part was when <laughs> after we both asked questions that were wrong. He goes, "No, it's what you think." <laughs> that's but I gotta like, say, that's the least erotic thing I've ever seen in my life. But there's it's just a lady in mud. I mean, no, but there's there's one where there's two of them. They're like, our bikinis are gonna go first. <laughs> Who will fuck us? It's amazing. It's amazing that you know the plot lines without having watched them. <laughs> <laughs> so do you like? Do you come when they go under? No, that's no. You wait, wait before that. It's uh, <laughs> the hottest part is when their boobs hit the mud. That's when you're like, ooh. 
I'm not a creep. I don't watch it all the yeah. way through. <laughs> it's called a sand job. And <laughs> it's... Oh, fuck. Oh. Oh. So... <laughs> so Jay, Jay and... Uh, yeah, back on subject here. Uh, Enough about the bone danger. Get into the Lone Ranger. <laughs> so Jay and Clayton Moore toured the U.S. Uh, the whole time they were doing the show and after as Tonto and the Lone Ranger. Moore was very protective of his Lone Ranger persona and would scream at paparazzi who tried to take a picture of him without his mask on. That's so crazy, too, though, that he was like, no, no, no. Years later, when he was no longer the Lone Ranger, the producers w- would have to take him to court to force him to stop wearing the mask in public. <laughs> oh, sh- shut up. So, life's hard when you wear a bandit mask always. No, just a regular deposit. Yeah. I was the Lone Ranger. I'm not robbing you. God, he had such an interesting way of talking to Clayton Moore. Like he did. Oh, yeah. yeah. And they, fought, they had to legally get him to they stop. They had to legally wearing, sue him. That happens in the NBA, though. A dude will break his nose, he'll wear a mask for a season, they'll be like, it's good luck. And for the rest of his life, he wears like yeah. a glass Phantom of the Opera mask. And you're like, can we wouldn't see you? you? What but you? wouldn't you paint it? Like, I would paint crazy. <laughs> Just like, like a it's skull. a Banksy. Yeah, ba- or a Banksy. Banksy. <laughs> so- Just like a masquerade mask with a feather. <laughs> shoot the three, asshole, shoot it. <laughs> Feather's gonna block you, man. It's a masquerade basketball. <laughs> so, Iron Eyes Cody. Iron Eyes Cody continued to work in both TV and film, even starring in films. He also worked in commercials, but always had the companies donate his salary to Native American schools or orphanages. One time, he got a shoe company to send hundreds of shoes to Native children all over America. So he's just fucking... Just, Waste of time. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> Surrounded by quicksand. They'll go right <laughs> under. Now, the more Iron Eyes profile rose, the more other Native American actors became upset. Asterisk actress Lois Red Elk said, quote, his clothing and the way he wore his feather were all wrong. <laughs> it's a little picky. Yeah. Uh, I yes. mean, we don't know, but it does sound picky. So yeah. sometimes you're in a rush. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you can't have time to put the whole headdress on. You just throw one feather in the back. When another actor questioned him about his early life, Iron Eyes didn't have a, a real Native American history. There was no experiences that he could offer up. Hey, Iron Eyes, where did you grow up? Uh, what's your favorite car? <laughs> did you ever answer that? Studebaker. Oh, let's get sodas. <laughs> oh, I love moving on from subjects. <laughs> Do you? I love it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Your feather's all fucked to, up. Oh, come on. I'm going to the store. We're fine. I'm not going out feather. I'm not going to put the whole thing on. Lord. One woman who ran a Native American registry for the performing arts found out he wasn't verified as Cherokee. She continually asked him to get himself verified, but he always made excuses. It's like Twitter. Uh, yeah. <laughs> but way more culturally sensitive. Yep. In 1963, Jay Silverheels was the first native inducted into the Screen Actors Hall of Fame. He was now doing Tonto as a, a broad comedy. He played Tonto in a Bob Hope Western. He continued to work in the same roles he had always 
But society was now changing. Pressure grew throughout the 60s from social activist groups, and roles he was uh, used to started to disappear. The American Indian movement was lobbying harder for television show uh, stations to halt reruns of The Lone Ranger and other shows they felt had blatant racist imagery. But, okay, wait. So, well, first of all, he, like, broadened out into, like, he turned that into... A, a career, almost? A one-man show. A Tonto? Yeah. yeah. Well, now he's playing the Tonto character as like a broad so comedy take, right, in, in the, other yeah. things. But it's like Frasier. Yeah, it's like Frasier like now. Frasier. No, but no. It'd be More like, like Michael Richards, I think. <laughs> Wait. <laughs> that got weird. Uh, no, it'd be like a guy from a drama then going into comedy. Like, it's a ta- right, Tonto. Right, I get it. But he's character. like embrace. Like, right, okay. All right. So, so he's, it's becoming a little slapsticky. Right. But he's going goofy. on stage and then with, the, dressed as Tonto. Yes. And he's right. like... He's like, you know oh. what really made me tick? Oh boy! No, no, but he's doing like crowd work. He's like, where are you from? <laughs> he is. Yeah, he's doing stand up. Yeah. I think he's doing comedy, right? He's just doing like like broad slapstick Bob Hope movie type comedy. Uh, I had to fly in. My eagle's arms are tired. <laughs> Much like that. Yeah, that's probably what it was, though. Yeah, for sure. It had to be. I'm- couldn't be headier than that. Well, there's no way the audience is like, no way, that's not real. Uh, me could, that's not very grounded, Tonto. Me could use a shot. How about a tuberculosis shot, you know? <laughs> I, li- I, like, I like his newer stuff. It's like edgy. It. It's edgy. <laughs> edgy. It's edgy. It's risky. It's like being in quicksand, which, oh. <clears throat> Even the thought of that, I just... Now, you'd get out, but... Oh. You're top at being peril. Mm. In the late 60s, M.G. Hurting. What? M.G. Hurting. Is this a DJ? Wrote, <laughs> wrote a book called The Unjust Society. In it, he called chiefs and other native leaders who appeased the government at the expense of natives Uncle Tomahawks. <laughs> Shit's shit's starting to get real. For many Native Americans, the parts Jay Silverheels had played made him the epitome of an Uncle Tomahawk. This time was also the strongest period for the Native American movement that fought for equal rights and land claims. They attacked You almost said equal whites, which is what it really is. But I I meant equal whites. (laughs) Oh, sorry. They attacked many portrayals in the media, and the number one target of the campaign was the most well-known Native American, wow. Jay Silverheels. This Great. is kind of now pissing me off a yeah, little bit. That is, that is, <laughs> that's why I hate we, fucking liberals. Oh, yeah. like, We've only that, gotten that, started. That, that, it was guys in red face like fucking 10 years that ago. That is so true, though. Right? Right? Isn't that... I mean, that is the liberal shit. Right? <laughs> You're like, think, oh, we're fine with everything. Oh, screw you. He's like, I was saying this I think is, you, oh my I God. I think you don't condemn the person who yeah, okay. first got the role and yeah. Can't, yeah. can't change because of it. You condemn yeah. the system. But, yeah. you know. But it's, it's, they're like, how dare you? So his parts dried up uh, due to activism and Westerns fading away in popularity. Scholar Ralph Fryer called Tonto an Indian step and fetch it. Activist and leader Holy of the shit. American Indian movement, Russell Means, used the name Tonto the way black activists use the phrase Uncle Tom. 
So Jay resented the idea that he was responsible oh for the God. negative image of natives in show business. He looked at himself as a role model, having been the first native to ever serve on the Screen Actors Guild Board of Directors. He had spent thousands of hours establishing the Indian Actors Workshop, which now established which was now established at the Los Angeles Indian Center in Echo Park. The workshop also helped native actors enter SAG and actors' equity, and it turned uh, the Los Angeles headquarters into a, a place of political action for Native Americans. In the late 60s, with money drying up, Jay and Clayton Moore brought back their roles as the Lone Ranger and Tonto in a successful commercial for Geno's Pizza. <laughs> now I'm going to say, now I'm just going to say, Bad timing. Yeah. The lo- <laughs> Wait. CBS executives were concerned about the advertisement, worried it might offend the now very vocal American Indian movement. So the ad executive asked Jay to talk to the studio executive and convince her there was nothing to be worried about. <laughs> okay. It, it didn't go well. Jay ended up just screaming into the phone, Stop screwing with my residuals! Is that Hollywood in a fucking pill? <laughs> right? I mean, oh. right there. It's like, yeah. Uh. CBS never aired it, but ABC and NBC did. And sure enough, native organizations were very upset. Jay, Jay put out a public response saying the criticism, quote, promotes the strength promotes and strengthens the image that projects the Indians as being stoic, incapable of showing emotion, and entirely lacking a sense of humor. So he really dug the knife in there. <laughs> he's, not, he's not helping his cause. My, by yeah. the way, I'm I mean, so what battle is he character. fighting? <laughs> Wait, what? I don't think he, I don't think he knows. Yeah. I, I'm, I am so attached to Tonto as a character of my childhood that I'm getting like fucking angry right now. <laughs> What part did they want him to play? The wacky neighbor next door? Well, he didn't have any options to play. He didn't have else. any fucking options. No. But you know what Desi they Arnaz did? had to play a Cuban guy. And he tried. But so, and he, but so, yeah. so if you if you look at what the the NAACP did the same thing, and what happened to to guys like Amos and Annie and the guys who played those parts uh-huh. was they just stopped working and died poor and shitty lot. Like they just stopped, and yeah. then they all just I mean that- perished in poor. So, so he was seeing that and saying, well, don't do that. But on the other hand, you want the roles to stop. It's a, it's a fucked up it situation. It is a catch-22, but still, yeah, it is. I mean, it just, yeah. It, yeah. Under, it underlines like how, you know, we'll be racist forever. And then be so. like, oh, nothing. No, not okay. And you're like, but this guy I'm, tried I'm, hard to fight. Oh well, I'm God. counting on racism forever to just keep, keep the dollop going. Right. <laughs> Dave, I think we have good news. <laughs> We're going to hit 1,000. <laughs> On September 9th, 1969, Jay had a famous appearance on The Tonight Show with Johnny Carson. They did a sketch together. Then Carson and Jay talked about his career. Jay explained that he had no choice but to take the roles he was offered if he wanted work at all and that almost all of the work was lousy. In 1971, Jay had his name legally changed from Harry Smith to Jay Silverheels. And that same year, his worst nightmare came true. Ooh, ooh, let us guess. Let us guess. Iron Eyes... Choose your own deni- disaster. <laughs> Iron Eyes Cody was cast in a commercial for the nonprofit 
organization, Keep America Beautiful. I fucking knew wait, it. Wait, 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 mother, you guys are too young to know what the fuck's gonna happen. Wait, 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 say, say that again. Oh, shit. Iron Eyes Cody was cast in a commercial for the nonprofit organization, Keep America Beautiful. Okay. It first aired on Earth Day in 1971. In it. Shut the fuck up. Yep. <laughs> no way. In it, Iron Eye Cody paddled a canoe past a belching smokestack and along a polluted God stream damn. before arriving at a busy highway. As he looked at the city landscape, garbage thrown from a passing car landed at his feet. Who the no. fuck was that asshole? Yeah. Uh, Same that, guy that, that, from yeah. Mr. Microphone. It was, Ch- yeah. hey, it was Chase Silverheels. Yeah. Fuck yeah. you. No, they were like, if we wait long enough, one white guy will throw a can. <laughs> Shoot for 30 engine. minutes. You know, the honest truth is we're overwhelmed with white guys throwing cans. <laughs> Slow down traffic. So, as he sat there, a single tear rolled down his face, and the camera stayed on Iron Eye's face while the announcer said, people start pollution, people can stop it. It was one of the most moving commercials ever made, and an overwhelming success. The commercial quickly made Iron Eye's the most familiar Native American face in the United States. As Jay's career died a slow death, Iron Eye's career exploded. Oh, man. And this was especially brutal because Jay knew that Iron Eyes was not a Native American at all. When Jay had started out acting, Iron Eyes' brother Joe had also tried acting. And when Jay and Joe were alone, Jay would constantly talk about how he was an Italian guy from Louisiana. Shut the fuck up. Bada boom, bada bing. <laughs> oh, this is fucking killing me. <laughs> now, Jay Silverheels, who's the poster boy for Uncle Tomahawk, watched as not Native American Iron Eyes Cody became the face of Native Americans. He was honored with a star on the Hollywood Walk of Fame. He was named... He was named to nearly every important Indian Affairs Committee in the United States. He went on to meet Walt Disney, Presidents Jimmy Carter in the Oval Office, and Gerald Ford on a golf course. Meanwhile, in 1975, Jay had a crippling stroke. In 1979, he did get a a star on the Hollywood Walk of Fame uh, due to his friend Jonathan Winters. And then Jay Silverheels died on March 5th, 1980. Luckily... Luckily. He didn't get to see... Luckily is such a rare term in this podcast. <laughs> Luckily, he didn't get to see Iron Eyes Cody meet President Reagan or Pope John Paul II. Iron Eyes met the Pope in 1980 because he was nominated for sainthood. Are you shitting me? Oh, no, no, Now I know what it felt like when we took the Native Americans' land from them. (laughs) (laughs) This, I feel like I'm getting fucking crushed right now. That is insane. Nor did Jay... Nor did Jay live to see... Like, the PR person's like, oh, you're gonna love him. He is... 100% 100% the real deal, and he is authentic. Uh, the, pub, the pub's not going to meet him. He should get into the him mobile because he is just 
Nor, uh, nor did Jay uh, get to see Iron Eyes Cody have a stamp issued by the U.S. Post Office in 1982. And thankfully, Jay did not live long enough to read Iron Eye Cody's autobiography. No, no. In which he took a few shots at Jay Silverheels. Quote, Jay was a champion lacrosse player and a very good boxer till he got one of his eyes bopped out. Had himself fitted with a glass eye and some vague notion of becoming a professional gambler, he packed up his lacrosse stick and headed west. He began hanging around Gower Gulch, which is where my brother and I spotted him, as potential movie material. I mentioned he got his start in Unconquered because that's the first time anybody singled him out for any close camera shots. Actually, he had been playing bit parts since we took him to Utah years earlier for some writing sequences in Western Union. He distinguished himself by not being able to write at all. Without knowing what the hell he was doing, he managed to keep up with the rest of us writers uh, of the Purple Sage, falling off his horse both on cue and off, none of which was true. <laughs> Jay did not have a glass eye, and he clearly had been acting in movies uh, for quite some time before Iron Eyes came along. He also knew how to ride horses quite well as he began his career as a stuntman. Iron Eyes had nothing to do with Jay's career. But Iron Eyes clearly held a grudge for the rumors Jay helped feed, which turned out to be 100% true. Iron Eyes was the now the go-to native for years and even provided ancestral chanting on Johnny Mitchell's 1988 album, Chalkmark in a Rainstorm. I wanna, I'm going to go piss Dude, on this, this guy's is, grave. I mean, this is... <laughs> Let's take a lift. Fuck it, yeah. Just take a lift. <laughs> the, the, uh, <laughs> this is as shitty as it gets. When major motion picture houses needed to verify the authenticity of tribal dances and attire, Iron Eyes was brought in as a consultant. So what is like, oh my God. But... <laughs> oh, oh, big butt. In oh. 1990, a postdoctoral scholar at UCLA named Angela Elise read Iron Eye's autobiography and realized many, many, many facts did not fit what she knew about the history of Hollywood. So she began investigating. Through Frank's, her, his brother's name was Frank, through Frank's <laughs> brother's records, she was able to trace Iron Eyes, who his parents called Oscar. <laughs> Wait. The brother was Frank? Frank, yeah. Okay, all right. Just make it sure. And Iron Eyes is Oscar. Uh, yeah. yeah. Uh, this is, so he, he went into auditions. like, this is my brother Frankie. And, hey. Uh, yeah, and I'm Iron Eyes. Hey. How you, yeah. How? Frankie, say hi. Hey, what you doing, guys? Hey. <laughs> you gotta book fucking Iron Eyes. This guy's gonna nail this part. We've been brothers our whole lives. We grew up on the reservation and whatnot. Yeah, we're a spaghetti tribe. Hey. Yeah, 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 yeah. Brooklyn. But hey, book him, book him. We'll make it interesting for you. You, know I mean? you want us to make you some on Native American meatballs? Hey, hey. He's going to give you a performance you're never going to forget, okay? He's going to be unbelievable. It's going to be so unbelievable you're not even going to believe it. Uh... Yes, so Iron Eyes was Italian. His mom was from a winemaking family in Sicily, and his father, also Italian, had first met her uh, when their marriage was arranged. She uh, learned of the Louisiana town, the, the, the scholar, learned of the Louisiana town Oscar had been born in and found out that everyone there had known for years but didn't want to blow his secret. 
So, she wrote an article with the proof, but many still didn't believe it. Of course. Iron Eyes denied it and said his story of being raised in Oklahoma was true. Of course. Iron Eyes Cody died peacefully in 1999 at the age of 94. What year? 94, 1999. Wow. 1999? Yeah. It does always feel weird when it's that close. In the eyes of many... In the eyes of many Native Americans throughout the U.S., the roles portrayed by Jay Silverheels remain a terrible example of Uncle Tomahawk, while Iron Eyes Cody is seen as an honorary Native American. He lived the Native American lifestyle and did much to help those in need, they say, though this is not a unanimous opinion. At a ceremony honoring his death, Mary Feathers said, quote, This is a time of great sorrow, for we have lost a dear one of our people. At Iron Eyes Appreciation Days in De- Desert Hot Springs, Lee Thunderbear was asked wait, about wait, Iron Wait, wait, wait. Slow the it. fuck down. I'm saying Slow it. the fuck down. What happened? At Iron Eyes Appreciation Days in Desert Hot Springs, which I'm not, I couldn't find if it was still going on, but it went on for quite Sounds time. Sounds like this uh, is all nouns. <laughs> Let's go down there and just go, no, no, no. <laughs> It's a page one rewrite! (laughs) (laughs) Uh, So at at the appreciation days, when when he first died, uh, Lee Thunderbear was asked about Iron Eye's background, and he said, quote, When I hear people say that, it makes me angry. I don't pay credence to that stuff. That fucking reality shit. So how... Advertisers. He said that reality shit. No, I I added. Oh, (laughs) it was it was still very in character. Advertisers estimate that Iron Eye's face on billboards, posters, and magazine ads has been viewed 14 billion times, making him the most recognizable Native American figure of the century. (laughs) Who is Italian? More than Johnny Depp. (laughs) In 2013, the Lone Ranger starring Johnny Depp as Tonto bombed. Fucking yeah. Mickey. Now, now, how do you feel about Johnny Depp being? Uh, how much worse is it after this? So much this worse. Is, it's, but well, uh, I, he's still pretty talented. So there's like a tea party inside the movement of. Well, like I the, think, I think a lot of them feel that even though because it's hard, it's hard to like the barometer for that is like. You think that uh, there, there's a little bit of Cosby happening where, where everybody knew what Cosby was doing, but no one wanted to say it because he was the face, right? He was, right. He was the right. black guy. So no black person wanted to go, we can't tell him what he's doing because right. then it fucks up everything. It's the same thing with Iron Eyes Cody. Now he's out there, he's the front, and everyone's like, we can't fucking tell him that he's not a fucking... So everyone just kind of went along with it because... He was doing charity. He was yeah. doing all this great work. He's he, like Lance Armstrong. They, a lot of them said. Well, yeah, yeah. But yeah. a lot of them said, like, well, he's living the life of of a Native American. Yeah. But he's not. And if you look at pictures of him, you're like, oh yeah, he's a fucking Italian guy. Like it doesn't even. <laughs> well, because of the marinara all over him. <laughs> it's it's ca- classic cosplay. It's passive. Yeah. yeah. No, We're but gonna, yeah, but oh. but there is. I mean, that is that is what such a fucker is like. The idea that you are like, hey, great, thank you. Stop. <laughs> also, stop. Knock it off. Not okay. Well, I think it was innocuous when he was just in bit parts, but once the commercial happened, they were like stuck, right? Well, the oh. second you say that commercial, like I I remember that commercial as 
like I remember like parodies of that commercial, yeah. but then I remember seeing that commercial. I mean, that is a quintessential. What, was that like a Super Bowl oh my commercial? God. <laughs> Wasn't well, it? I think it might have been. Do you know what the, you know what the, the no, saving grace is? I think it, it might have been a Super Bowl. Yeah. I think it, I think I'm 100 percent right. Yeah. The no sa- argument. This, this, the saving grace is that that commercial blew up, and there's an Italian guy with a ponytail and a feather in his hair laying in his bed, going, "Fuck, man, this is bigger than I thought it was going to be." <laughs> Dude, he is Ray Leone at the end of Goodfellas Italian. Yeah, he's like, he's like, he's like, Shit, Jesus dude. Christ, man. I'm fucking got to be a Native American forever Ever, now. Yeah. God damn it, I can't take it off. Like, oh, I'm fuck, fucking, I'm in. Yeah, like, I, like, cause you know, when he, yeah, before yeah. he'd be like Native American on set, and then when he got yeah. out, he's like, hey, you guys. Hey, hey come on. Fucking okay. a lot of, Where a lot we of doing it? over there, huh? Here's yeah. the crazy thing. So everybody, all the other Native Americans thought it was weird that even when he was not on set, he would just totally dress in the outfit. Whereas they'd be walking around in jeans and shirts, he'd be in the fucking leather. But what the bu- like, and what option? Like, like, Iron Eyes, take a, take a fucking break, bro. But like, <laughs> you doth dress too much. Uh, <laughs> what are you supposed to do, though? You're like, I don't know. I'm nervous. I don't want to look normal. But this is like this is like there's a, an analogy for comedians who turn on this character and then can't shut it down. Yeah. Like there was a guy named uh, Jay Medicine Hat who's recently passed. I'm sorry, Jay Medicine Hat. Jay Medicine Hat, who's a hypnotist that we'd see at Funny Bones. He did them every quarter. He did them all. But he wasn't Native American and he wasn't even a hypnotist. He just <laughs> no, I mean he. <laughs> he was. We're going to need to find out what he was pretty soon. No, I mean, so far. Like, he, he bought his act from another hypnotist. Like, he was doing... He it's hypnotized like, it's like, him. It's like, it's, like, it's like Larry the Cable Guy. Like, he's got to do that oh, character. Yeah. Hey, you're still he on mic everywhere. even if you whisper. Yeah. <laughs> no, Larry the... I knew Larry the Cable Guy before he was Larry the Cable Guy. Yeah. Yeah. He's fucking very, Dave. Very like, a super guy. nice guy. Yeah. Great guy. All of a sudden, he went up at the punchline one. I'm like, what the fuck is Dave doing? He was dressed in a full cable guy outfit, and then it turned into whatever it is now. But like when he goes yeah. to like a, a, a an, an Omaha in a football game, like oh he's, yeah, he, he can't he can't, he's he can't be, be himself. He can't just be like, hey guys, I'm just kind of a soda. No, yeah, he's got yeah. like hell yeah, I want a Budweiser, thanks, yeah. <laughs> Give me a handful of Prilosex and some sort of crazy <laughs> beer. I'm gonna ride a jet ski through that bull's asshole. Fuck. And some day, somewhere there's a guy in the South just looking at him going, oh, yeah. motherfucker yeah. took my yeah. goddamn career. Yeah. I'm an actual motherfucking cable guy. <laughs> <laughs> my name's Larry. <laughs> what do you uh, do when a dish drops, Larry? Oh, no, tell a punchline. No, you get on the roof. <laughs> you dig in. You test the lines. Oh, that ain't funny, but that's why we don't do it. <laughs> I like that you think his act would be more authentic if he talked, if he if he troubleshot cable problems. Y'all ever order something when you're on demand freezes? Y'all, let me give you an actual reason why. The media's overloading, and the best thing to do is remove a couple cords from the power strip, go to a direct connection. Okay, that's going to help a lot. It's not funny, but it's helpful. I'm Larry the Cable Guy. Thank you. Good night. <laughs>
Thank you, guys. Thank you. Thank you to Brent Kreischer. Thank you. Thank you. Oh, hey there, everybody. It's Gareth, you know, from this uh, this podcast. Uh, listen, I've got some stand-up shows. I'm inviting the Garmy, the Gareth Army, to join me for. I will be in Fort Collins, Colorado, August 18th and August 19th. I will be in Minneapolis, Minnesota, August 24th through August 26th at Acme. I will be going to the UK in September. Please join me. I will be in Glasgow, September 13th, London, September 15th, Dublin, September 17th, and September 19th, Manchester, Birmingham, September 20th, Bristol, September 22nd, and Cardiff, September 24th. And then in November, I'll be in Australia. November 10th, almost sold out, I think. I'll be in Melbourne, Australia. Then I will be in Northbridge, Australia on November 15th. Adelaide, November 16th. Canberra, November 17th. Brisbane, November 18th. And then I will be in uh, Sydney on November 24th. Go to GarethReynolds.com for tickets. Garmy, let's get at it after it. Let's see you there. Hey there, people listening to The Dollop. Uh, this is Gareth. Yes, this same guy. I Listen, I have a new podcast called We're Here to Help that I'm doing with my friend Jake Johnson. It's basically a call and advice show where we don't say that we're professionals because we aren't, but we try to help people with problems that are important to them. You can listen to it wherever you listen to podcasts, and it is out right now. So go listen to We're Here to Help with Jake and Gareth. We're here to help with Gareth and Jake. I don't remember how we did it, but either way, fun. Half Hour comes out Tuesday, August 22nd, and the episodes will be out every Tuesday and Friday. We're here to help.